Megan, I have been using our sponsor Element, that's L-M-N-T, to boost my hydration for over a month now, and I'm really loving it. I'm just not very good at drinking plain water, and I love the taste when I pop one of these little packets, I like orange or grapefruit, into a big bottle of water. It's kind of fruity and salty, and it just helps me hydrate better overall. Element is a zero-sugar electrolyte drink mix born from the growing body of research that shows the best health outcomes occur with higher sodium levels. Each little pack delivers a significant dose of electrolytes, but minus sugar, artificial colors, and other iffy ingredients. Element's flavors are so unique, like fruity watermelon salt and spicy sweet mango chili. And we're going to set our listeners up with a variety pack so you can find your favorite. Right. You can receive a free Element sample pack containing eight flavors with any drink mix purchase when you purchase through our custom link, drinkelement.com slash momhour. That's D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T slash momhour. This offer is available exclusively through our partnership and is available for both new and returning customers. And if you're an Element Insider, you'll have first access to Element Sparkling, a bold can of sparkling electrolyte water. Again, it's drinklmnt.com slash momhour. Hi, I'm Sarah. And I'm Megan. We're two moms with eight kids between us, from little to grown. We're in different areas of the country and in different stages of life. But we both know that motherhood's a lot easier when real moms share tips and encouragement. And remind you that it's really all going to be okay. We're not experts. We're parents who've been there. We're not perfect. We're real. Welcome to the Mom Hour. Hey, everyone, and welcome to episode 309 of the Mom Hour. I am Sarah Powers here with Megan Francis. Hey, Megan. Hey, Sarah. So we're going to share some stories today, some stories from the trenches, if you will. And this is going to be a really fun episode. We're talking about the moments in our mom lives where we were called into action. Um, Some of these are sort of like an emergency situation or a time where we had to spring into action and like be a mom superhero. And that's not quite right. So Megan, help me out here. Well, have you ever... Have you ever heard those stories about like a pregnant woman lifting a car off of a child or something yeah, like, yeah. and maybe not that maybe I added the pregnant part and maybe I even added the woman part, but just the idea that like, there is a certain adrenaline that kicks in when you are in a really over the top situation that you kind of, it's almost like an out of body experience. And so there's that, there's like that level of drama. Like we're talking like, you know, readers digest scary story. I know you don't know what I'm talking about there, but Reader's <laughs> Digest used, magazine used to always have like an adventure story in it that was always about some, some like really tense thing happening. Like a guy got his leg bitten off by a shark or like, you know, someone fell down a mountainside while like climbing and had to like survive. So there was like, there's that kind. And then there's the kind where it's just like you end up in this situation where you have to think fast and maybe the yeah. stakes aren't that high. But come on, nobody wants vomit on their shirt. Right. Um, so the stakes, they may not be life or death. But when you have little kids, like everything is kind of a high stakes moment in a way when it involves bodily fluids or yep. like embarrassment, things like that. So I think there's both sides of that. And we're going to kind of touch on both. Yeah, I love this. And I love that we can we can like almost give credit to the moments that maybe don't feel as glamorous or as emergent. Um, and they might even feel more ordinary, but if you, if you had to think fast on your feet, or if you had to get creative in the moment, 
even if it was around, like you said, just some bodily fluids and no one was going to die that day. I think moms deserve a lot of credit for that quick thinking. Um, yeah. This this episode was inspired in part by a couple series that we've done recently. We did um, the solo parenthood series where we talked to moms who are going it alone for various reasons. And boy, did they have stories about I'm thinking about Katie's story about the ski lift where like she realizes at the last moment, like she's not going to be able to get her kids on the ski lift and the ski lift right. is, like, coming around to scoop them up. Um so there were lots of stories of this kind of like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe I just did that or I can't believe I survived that moment. Um, and then also we did our travel series and we talked to Chelsea, the mom who's like RVing around the country and, you know, had to hide in a bathroom in a tornado warning. And so I think when we normalize or like celebrate moms doing what they have to do in the moment, it doesn't have to be a contest of like how dire were the circumstances, but more a celebration of like, yeah, we're pre- we're all pretty good. Like. When put to the task, like we jump into action. Yeah, I, I love that. And I, I love that story about the ski lift because I didn't even include that on here. But Owen actually did fall off a ski lift with me on it. And oh, my he only gosh. Fell like, he only fell like 15 feet um, into very deep snow. But it was one of those moments where I'm holding Clara with one hand and Owen was probably eight. And so Clara was like five. And I've got her locked under one arm. And then he falls off and I'm like, bye. Cause what was I going to do? Jump off with my five-year-old? Like that wasn't going to happen. So we just went to the top and uh, um, he got on the next one. Oh my gosh. And I waited at the top. So oh like, gosh. I mean, those things are like, I know we have a whole category we're going to get into of like those things that you think about, like, what would I do if, and yeah. then sometimes those things actually happen. And I know yeah. we've all got our personal triggers. And that was one of mine. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Anyway, I guess, do we get into it now? <laughs> now that I've set the stage for how scary this could be? Do we get into it? I, yes. Yeah, I love it because I do feel like it's a it's like a survival in ways big and small, right? Big and small. And there's definitely a range in our stories. Sarah, we both know this time of year can be crazy. So this is a great time to get ahead with no prep, no mess meals from our sponsor, Factor. I love how these meals are ready to eat and delivered right to your door. I mean, you can't beat that convenience, but most importantly, they're seriously delicious. Yeah, Megan, I agree. Our whole family was impressed with the quality and flavor of Factor Meals we tried. And it turned out to be a great option for my teenagers when they got home late from a theater practice or came home from school super hungry. There's zero prepping, cooking, or cleaning up. Factor Meals just need to be heated for about two minutes and they're ready to go. Yeah. And for any listeners with wellness goals this month, Factor has six menu preferences to support your lifestyle, whether you're trying to boost your protein, avoiding meat, or simply focusing on well-balanced meals. And you can pause or reschedule deliveries to fit your lifestyle. Make today the day you kickstart a new healthy routine. Head to factormeals.com slash momhour50 and use code momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code MOMHOUR50 at factormeals.com slash MOMHOUR50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. Okay, Megan. Well, over here at the Mom Hour, we are big fans of our sponsor, Our Place. In fact, you, me, and our team member, Katie, were all comparing notes on our favorite product. Katie was telling us that even though she's packing up to move her family to a new house, she cannot put that mini perfect pot from our place into the boxes yet because she's using it like every night. Well, as someone who also has a perfect pot, I got mine as part of their mini home cook duo set. I get it. 
It's nonstick, which is key, but it also has all these handy features like a steam release lid with a built-in strainer and this nice beechwood spoon that nests on the handle in this perfect little peg. Okay, well, I didn't get this pot, but now I want it. That sounds so great. Our Place's cookware is great to cook with, beautiful to look at, and healthier for us as well. All of Our Place's products are made without PFAS, also known as Forever Chemicals. In addition to their cookware and tableware, Our Place is also making waves with their Wonder Oven, the most stylish all-in-one air fryer and toaster oven. Again, free from the Forever Chemicals found in many of those air fryers. Listeners, Our Place offers a 100-day trial with free shipping and returns, and we've got a great deal for you. Go to fromourplace.com and enter the code MOMHOUR at checkout to receive 10% off site-wide. That's fromourplace.com, code MOMHOUR. All right, we're diving into some good old-fashioned Megan and Sarah tell stories from our trenches years, which, by the way, side note, we have a couple other great episodes, one that we called quote unquote mom fails, which they're not really fails, but you get the idea. And then another about mom milestones. So if you like this kind of thing, we'll link up a couple more where you can just keep keep hearing crazy stories about us and our kids. Yeah. Um, but you're going to kick it off. And the only the only real like prompt here is a moment where you jumped into action and you survived. Yeah. OK, so this first one is a it's not like a death-defying survival thing. It is way more pedestrian, except if I was in a car, um, but just more normal in like the kind of thing one encounters when one is the mom of several kids. And for me, um, you know, listeners, regular listeners know that for years, um, I've only really truly been a single divorced mom for a few years, but for years and years, lived often with my now ex-husband traveling a lot. And mm-hmm. the year we moved back into Michigan, which is the year Clara was born. He stayed in Chicago. It's about a two hour drive um, for the better part of that year. So there was a lot of going back and forth. And at the time I had four young sons who really weren't old enough to go into like the restroom altogether alone. Like I would have been okay with the oldest two going to the mm-hmm. restroom, but like all four of them to go, Isaac was, or sorry, Owen was only like three and it just, so it made, it made road tripping very difficult yes. because it so would always like be this three, moment. six, 10, 12, something like that. Like uh, that's not three, exactly right. Three, five. It would have been, let's see, three and five and then, um, nine, 11. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. There was four years between Will and mm-hmm. Isaac. So, and then, you know, I can't remember now if I was pregnant with Clara during this part or had a baby, but that just complicated it, right? Because now <laughs> I've got a newborn that or a small baby that I'm going to have to get out of the car and I'm going to have to deal with her. And then there's all these little boys that have to go to the bathroom. And there's this place outside of Chicago where if you're coming from Michigan and you're on I-94, where it's kind of like last chance. Once you get on the toll road, <laughs> it is very difficult. There's really not a lot of good spots to get off. There aren't the oasises on this side. You uh-huh. have to wait until you're like on the other side to hit an oasis. So there's kind of like a last chance to pee area. And then after that, you're basically just in Chicago traffic. And to go to the bathroom, you'd have to get off on some random exit you don't know anything about in downtown Chicago and like find a restroom or something. Mm-hmm. And like a downtown restroom, like in a, in, in a city neighborhood with four young boys and a baby, I just wasn't going to do that. So we were on our way into Chicago and everybody was kind of whiny and whatever, but everyone insisted they didn't have to go to the bathroom when we hit our last chance. Of course. And then all of a sudden they all just desperately had to go. And this was within, (laughs) you know, we were probably 
45 minutes away from our destination, but that was way too long. Things were getting really desperate. Um, they're like all of them crying. So it was the three older boys. Owen, I think was still in diapers at the time and, or had a pull up or something. Cause I knew better. And so I gave them all empty water bottles and told them to pee in their water bottles. <laughs> and then they all spilled on themselves like oh to different gosh. levels oh of spill. God. So for years I called them trickle, dribble and splash. Those were the <laughs> names they had. And they all thought it was hilarious. And I think it was actually oldest to youngest. I think it was Jacob was trickle. Uh, Isaac was dribble and will who just made a mess of things was splash, but it they so loved it. Funny. They thought peeing in bottles was like the coolest thing that they had ever gotten to do. And it was a total moment of desperation. It's not like I wanted them to pee in bottles. Right. I mean, right. I have some couth, but like, what else was I going to do? And we were in oh bad traffic and there was no yeah. getting off. It was just like we were stuck. So um, that's just one of those moments where I like, I can't believe I had to do that. But I guess in the end it worked out, question mark. And it, and it turned into a great story. I love yes. it. I love it. Exactly. Um, okay. Well, the first one that came to mind for me, um, Allegro was just two probably or not even because it was Easter and, um, we were at my, so she was my only child. I was eight months, probably seven and a half months pregnant with Reed, very pregnant. Um, like in the home stretch, he's born June 1st. And, um, we were at my parents' house in Arizona and they had a pool and a jacuzzi. And at, at, for uh, several years, they had a fence around their pool. And uh, those of you in like Arizona, Texas, Florida, like pool safety is such it's important everywhere, obviously, but it's such a hot topic when you have babies and young kids. It's like the the public service messaging around water safety is just really intense. And it's and it's for a good reason, of course, to educate parents. But it's kind of fear inducing. I remember yeah. waking up in the middle of the night and having not even nightmares, but like visions of a baby or a toddler falling in a pool and not noticing. And um, mm. it just was very it was very present all the time. So the, I guess the background there is I felt like I was always on high alert around water and there's good reason for that. But we were at my parents standing on the patio and it was all adults and Allegra. She was the only grandkid and my only kid at the time. And she was just two, like a very young two. And it was Easter and she was showing us how she could hop like a bunny. And we're all Aww. standing around like admiring because she's the only kid, only grandkid. And she's not a very good a hopper. She's just in her entire life is not the most coordinated or like um, <laughs> she never mastered those gross motor skills like on time. So she's like hopping around and she just kind of like keeps hopping backwards. And we're kind of watching like every time she hops, she's instead of hopping up and down in place, she's moving backwards and she has no control or coordination. And she just keeps doing it. And we're like, oh, it's so cute. And I'm like watching this and I'm like, well, if this momentum continues, like she's going in the jacuzzi and we were all right there. So it was not any kind of like a really like lights flashing, super scary situation. But sure enough, though, she comes down from a hop and she has that backward momentum. So she kind of like steps backwards Ugh. and she goes directly into the jacuzzi, which was cold like, because it was. Did she, did she go backward like butt first? I think butt first, almost like kind of like kind folded of, almost. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like she kind of stepped or sat backward. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. And the jacuzzi was freezing cold because they didn't heat it unless they were going to use it. It's very expensive to heat and pools there are not usually heated. So you just heat your jacuzzi to order, so to speak. So it was very cold. And this was kind of evening. 
And I guess the mom jumping into action part of the story is like, you hear how fast moms can move. Um, and we've all experienced it where you're like across the room in a second, if you have to be, yes. if like a baby's going to fall. And I'm eight months pregnant here and I get there so fast. So my dad is closest to the jacuzzi and he also reacted quickly. I'm farthest from the jacuzzi and eight months pregnant. And I do this thing where like in a cartoon, I would be like a blur, you know, I would just be like <laughs> yes, there. Yep. And so in a, in a millisecond, my dad and I are each standing in the jacuzzi, which was overkill because she was fine. We were all right there. And I'm eight months pregnant and soaking wet and it's freezing and we get her out. And I don't even, th- I don't even remember her crying very much. If she cried, it was just that she was startled and we, you know, we reacted and, Um, so we all get out and I am, I, I went in all the way, like, like I was ready to go scuba diving for this child when really (laughs) either one of us could have probably just just reached over the edge. Yeah, exactly. Right. So it was a, it was a a sweet early example of that quick reaction. And then the, the punchline of the story that we still laugh about is my mom is very thin, naturally very tiny. And we were at my parents' house. And so there were no dry clothes that fit me because, you know, I'm, I'm fairly small, too, but I was eight months pregnant. So I ended right. up for the rest of that night. I had to wear my dad's clothes because none of my mom. Oh, I bet that was so me. cute. You probably had like, like, you know, like a yeah. little kid with like the sleeves hanging yes, down. Exactly. And, I, I, uh, I was like, I don't even know what it was, but like sweats and a sweatshirt because like oh. none of the lady clothes in the house were appropriately sized for me. So, I love it. There you go. Yeah. Well, my first, my next story, sorry, is very similar um, in a lot of ways, but I just want to mention that one of my very earliest memories was being plucked out of a jacuzzi by my dad. And I was probably three or four. And I remember like, you know how you remember things from being a kid and like, Mm -hmm. you can kind of remember the logic process that was going on in your brain, but it was illogical because you were a little kid. And I was sitting on the edge and the, and the jacuzzi just seemed so manageable. Like the size seemed really manageable. And I thought, this will be a great way to see if I can swim. But I totally couldn't swim. <laughs> and I just like kind of pushed off from the side and sunk like a stone. Like I oh just went God. right down. And I remember very slowly floating down and looking around at the lights <gasps> and being like, whoa. And then seeing my dad's cowboy boots, like his cowboy Aww. boots that he was wearing, like plunging down into the water in front of me because he jumped like fully dressed off the side of the, oh, off my the deck. Um, and I remember that and then being like kind of plucked out and I'm kind of confused. And of course I was probably gagging and coughing, yeah. but I, it feels very calm. Like when I think back to that memory, it feels like I was just kind of like, whoa, it's really bright down here. This is crazy. What are these shoes? That's anyway, amazing. And you wouldn't it? have that memory. Um, you know how some early childhood memories are influenced by photographs or stories? Yes, I feel like there's no, that, yeah. that one can't. That's a real, like that was actually the, what was going on in your mind. Because it's not really, nobody else could have told you that or for right. sure like shown you a photograph. So that's interesting. Yeah. And I also, I don't think it was also unduly um, tarnished by fear. Because I think my dad plucked me out very like matter of factly. Mm-hmm. And then I just kind of like sat back on the bench. I think my mom might've even been in the hot tub. So I don't know why my dad jumped in. Like I did that. It was a little bit unnecessary, but I, either way, I got stuck back on the side and then he kind of was like, well, don't do that again. And he got back out and uh, maybe my mom was standing on the side, but I just yeah. remember thinking, oh, okay. And then later they told the story and I was like, oh, that was scary. Like I just, <laughs> it didn't occur to me that that was like a scary thing that had happened right. until much right. later. So it's kind of funny. Um, but the next one I was going to share about my kids was that when Isaac was, let's see, I was pregnant with William about eight months pregnant and uh, like between 34 and 36 weeks. I was big. And, um, Isaac was then three and a half 
almost four. He was almost four. And, uh, oh, actually he probably was four. He had probably just turned four and he climbed, he like scaled my dresser in my bedroom. And I know that you're supposed to always have your dresser anchored and you're not ever supposed to have a TV just sitting on top of the dresser. But I had just come off having, first of all, Jacob who never climbed anything and never tried to pull anything on himself. And I will also say that was not really Isaac's thing either. Like by this point, he was not a toddler anymore, but he was never the kid that like climbed a bookshelf. That just wasn't really his thing. And for whatever reason that day, I think my bottom drawer was sticking out. Like I was pregnant mm-hmm. and kind of lazy about, I don't know, closing things. Yeah. <laughs> and um, it was probably over stuff and I didn't want to bend over. And I think he just like stood on the drawer. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't even like he thought, I'm going to climb up on the TV. But the whole thing came over mm-hmm. and I was on my bed. And I, I don't know how I got there in time. Like I, it, like a blur, the way you described, yeah. I bolted like, I got myself up out of a reclined position over my bed. Oh my gosh. Like in my mind, there's a tumble happening, like a gymnastics <laughs> situation. And then I had one hand braced on the TV, one hand braced on the, um, oh my gosh, on the, the dresser. dresser. And I'm amazed that I didn't hurt myself. Like I just, mm-hmm. but again, it was like the adrenaline kicked in and Thankfully, I think regardless that the dre- the bed would have stopped it because mm-hmm. the TV would have fallen on the bed mm-hmm. and the dresser, he might have gotten pinched, but I don't think he would have been like crushed under the dresser. Right. But still like it, you yeah. know, and I didn't have a headboard at the end or a footboard. So it would have just been like a soft bed. And, and so anyway, I try not to get myself too panicky when I think about like one yeah. of those retrospect panicky thoughts. Yes. Um, but I did like really lurch into action. And, um, and I probably strained my belly a little bit. I don't really remember. I don't remember actually being in any pain, but I do remember feeling like, like at that point I could have like taken a, an iron bar and bent yeah. it over my leg. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it was crazy. That's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. Oh my gosh. Well, yeah. so definitely install your stuff on the wall ladies. And like, you know, it's a thing. It's a real thing. Even if you is. don't think you're the kids, the kind that needs the baby proofing, sometimes they need it. Yeah. It is. It is. It's it's yeah. a good it's a good idea. Um, but I also think nobody's perfect and there are circumstances right. where even those who of us who know better don't always do better in terms of like locks and you know, like right. different kinds of safety. Oh my gosh. I guess I'm like my heart goes out to anyone who is in that stage of life where like life and limb and peril are just like a they're such a daily part of your existence. And, you know, I don't have driving kids yet. So I'm in the, I'm in the middle years where just, it doesn't feel like anyone's (laughs) going to like really hurt themselves that badly on any given day. Um, okay. My next one is a little bit more of like a, a catch all category. And and we'll do this a couple of different times in this episode, but this is any time that I had to get through dentist appointments, doctor's appointments, and especially like flu shots or vaccinations with all three kids at the same time. And there's a particular age range where Violet is at least in my mind in this, in this like collective memory I'm creating where Violet's at least like two. So like old enough to have opinions and like be on two feet and not like in a, in a ergo or something. Right. And so that puts Allegra at about seven. So like anytime I have like a two, four and six or a four, six and eight, like those years, um, you know, I take my kids to the dentist twice a year. I take them to get flu shots once a year. 
well checks at the doctor would not typically be all three of them because they're not born close enough to the same time of year. Right. But this sounds like a very pedestrian thing. And it's like, okay, come on, Sarah. It's not that hard. But I think why I think of it as like a mom moment is there are so many logistics happening and so much little kid emotion and stress and anxiety all at the same time times however many number of children you have. So like right. with the dentist and anytime they're getting shots, there's a there can be a lot of like crying and like mental gymnastics of like how how much are you going to try to like reason with this kid versus are you going to hold them down? I really don't like holding a kid down, but yeah. I'm not going to say I've never done it. If it's if the sometimes it's the only way to yeah. get it done. Right. Yeah. And if it's going to be really quick. And and the end result is something that I feel is essential for their wellness and health and safety. I'm not saying I've never done it. So anyway, I guess you times that. And then uh, in my memory, this collective memory, I'm always in a very small room. So like a, like the exam room of a doctor's office is always like now I've got these three kids and me and probably like a purse and everyone's crying <laughs> and like one of them's negotiating and one of them's and we're talking about like okay, we can go to ice cream after. And then the doctor's trying to talk to you or ask you questions. And I, I was always pretty hand, not hands-on is the wrong word. Um, I, I really tried to advocate for my kids, my young kids in those moments. And I, I really tried to, I don't know, find the balance of like, I didn't want a nurse or a practitioner of any kind to just come in and like steamroll my kids. I felt that it was important right. that they they were talked to and they were listened to. So if I had a kid who was resisting sitting in the dentist chair, for example, or getting a shot, I was totally the mom who was like, okay, well, she needs a little bit more time. Maybe we could explain to her what's going to happen. So I'm trying to right. do like all of this at the same time. And meanwhile, there's always a kid who's just crying the whole time. There's always <laughs> like, I don't know. So it's a collective memory of every time I got through one of those, I just felt like, wow, that was like, that was the whole thing. Like that was a whole thing I did today. Um, and I, I don't think it got a lot easier. It, it honestly, it's still kind of hard and they are now eight, 10 and 12. Um, but it's still, it's still a whole thing. It's just an easier thing. Um, and I, I've realized a couple of times after telling Brian about a day like this, that as much as we job share in many aspects of parenting, he has never, and it's not because it's not for lack of desire. It's just the way it's worked out. He's never taken all three kids to an appointment like that of any kind. Yeah. I don't think he's ever really, it's just not the way our division of labor works. So every, I've yeah. had these moments where I'm like, I, I'm not, I don't want to be mad at you that you don't know what this was like, but really you have no idea. You have no right. idea what it's yeah. like to try yeah. to take three kids for shots on the same day and like make it out alive without having like promised a bribe that you didn't mean to promise and like, right. You know, compromised yeah. your own like integrity as a parent. So I don't know how well I'm explaining this, but it felt like an accomplishment. Well, no, it's, I mean, I think anybody who has multiple kids that has had to do that knows exactly what you're talking about. And I remember finally being so traumatized the last time I took the younger three all, I don't think they all needed shots, but like they all had to be there. I yeah. think only Will and Owen needed shots at the time. And Clara was just like crawling away and um, she drew about it. Well, remember she did that whole song about it, how she crawled yes. under a chair and like, yes, yes. Um, <laughs> like, oh and my we can like find that because it's so cute. She wrote a whole oh song gosh. about how was she, she like, crawled four? onto a tweet or she crawled onto a bench. I don't remember what it was under a chair and because um, it will we hurt. I mean, I'll find it. It's hilarious. Like she wrote a whole <laughs> song. 
But the time I'm really thinking of that was really, really traumatic was when it was Will and Owen that were there. And I don't remember if Clara was having anything done, but they were freaking out. And I'm like, I don't know what to do. And and I also felt like their nurse was kind of looking at me like, what's wrong with you? Why did you bring all your kids? And I'm like, I had like, I don't have a choice. Like, yep. I had to bring them all because I don't have childcare for my youngest. And what do you want me to do? Like, this is yeah. my, this is, I have to. Um, and then I found that when my kids, when I had certain kids I had were very stoic about shots and other kids that I have um, <laughs> were not. And then I found myself getting paranoid about shots. Interesting. Like me thinking it would be more painful and then getting a, a you know, like I just got my COVID vaccine a couple of weeks yeah. ago and I was like, oh, that didn't hurt. Like, but I have now because of my kids overreactions to shots, I have like a mental um. Like I have mentally made it a bigger deal than it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think um, just to validate, I think it is actually traumatic for moms of very young kids to see their kids afraid at the doctor. And this is like a side tangent, but I I mean, hearts out to if you have been in a situation where you didn't feel like a doctor or provider was taking you seriously or being empathetic to your kid. Most of the ones we've had have been great. They're they're very professional and they know how to deal with it. Um, but it's really, it's really a yucky feeling to feel like, um, maybe you didn't stand up for your kid or you let another adult do something when your kid wasn't ready. And you know, the, the sheer number of times you and I have been in a, in an exam room with our kids just means that sometimes it hasn't felt great. And that is, so I think that can create some real residual fear and, and like yucky trauma feelings in in moms. Um, so uh, yeah, I think that makes sense that you would almost apply that same feeling to yourself getting a shot, even though objectively it just doesn't hurt that much. Right. I know. We are welcoming back Vionic as a sponsor today. And Sarah, I will be honest. I was sorting through my warmer weather wardrobe the other day and it could seriously use a refresh, but you know, what's good to go. My shoes. I've got a great selection to choose from thanks to the Vionic Vitals collection. And lately, the pair I keep putting on again and again is the Uptown Loafer. I have two pairs, one in sand suede and the other in camel leather. But please don't make me pick a favorite. Oh, I won't. I'll let you keep both. That's so funny, Megan, because I was a little jealous of your Uptown Loafers. I was the last one on our team to get a pair, but I just did. I also got mine in the sand suede and I think I've worn them like four times this week. They really finish off a cute spring outfit. The Vionic Vitals collection has the best essential styles for everyday wear to get you ready for spring. And no matter what shoes you choose, you'll be on the go in comfort because every single pair of Vionic shoes delivers their trademark Motion technology for a difference you can feel. Bionic sandals, sneakers, and flats all offer incredible support, stability, and cushioning, and every pair comes with a 30-day risk-free trial, so it's easy to try them out. Use code THEMOMHOUR15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at bionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's a one-time use only. Bionic Shoes, wearable well-being for your feet. Sarah, our sponsor, Haya Health, makes a kid's daily multivitamin that parents can feel great about giving their kids because they have no added sugars or dyes. And our kids who have tried Haya Vitamins have loved them, which is important, right? Because what good is a bottle of vitamins that your kid won't take? Haya was founded by two dads who didn't like the ingredients label on some of the popular children's vitamins they were seeing on store shelves, so they got to work developing a formula that would help fill the most common nutrient gaps in modern kids' diets. 
highest chewable kids vitamin is made with a blend of 12 organic fruits and vegetables and then supercharged with 15 essential vitamins and minerals. They're also vegan, dairy-free, allergy-free, gelatin-free, and nut-free. Haya manufactures their vitamins right here in the USA with globally sourced ingredients, and then they ship their chewable vitamins directly to your door on a pediatrician-recommended schedule. We've worked out a special deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. You're going to get 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, go to HayaHealth.com slash MomHour. This deal is not available on their regular website. Go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H dot com slash MomHour and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. All right, we're back and the storytelling continues. So Megan, you are up. Okay. So this one is another one of those adrenaline stories where I look back and it just feels like a blur. Um, And this is going way back to when I only had Jake and Isaac and they were, you know, three and five maybe. And um, I was sitting on a neighbor's porch with, and the boys were playing with her little girl and they were, you know, pretty far away, like a hundred yards away. And they looked like they were like dancing, like kicking something and dancing. I'm like, what are, what are they doing? And then I'm like, why are their hands waving in the air? And then they're running at us. And I'm like, something is wrong. And then once they were close enough, I saw that they were being swarmed by bees. And they had like kicked a rotten watermelon or something. And it had a bunch of bees. Now, they have a totally different story now about where the bees came (laughs) from. But I'm like, you guys were little kids. And I'm pretty sure there was a rotten watermelon involved. So I'm pretty sure I'm correct. But anyway, I, to this day, do not remember how I got the bees off of them. Without getting stung. Yeah. I'm, I'm like, I don't even know what I would do. They were in their shirt. Like they were, especially Isaac. Isaac, like Jacob only really ended up with like two stings and Isaac had them all over his body. Like they really got him. They were in his diaper um, or in his, oh you know, like gosh. little pull up thing. They were like in, they were wedged in. They were like, they were up under his shirt in his hair. They were everywhere. Um, so I swatted them all off. I got their clothes off. They're like standing naked in my friend's front yard. I'm like, you know, stripping them down. And somehow they wound up like in an oatmeal bath with mm-hmm. Benadryl in their stomachs, like within three minutes. Like, mm-hmm. I don't even know how I did it. And then the, we're just sitting there staring at them. Like, what do we do? Do we have to yeah. take them someplace? And I don't think, um, I mean, it's, you know, it's been a long time, but they weren't, um, they weren't the kind of stingers you have to pluck out. They were the okay. kind of bees that can sting again and again, which I believe are yellow jackets. So they're yeah, not really so. bees. They're yeah. hornets. Wasp, yeah. Um, or, yeah. Yeah. Or wasps. And they so they had gotten stung again and again, and mm. it was terrible. But I didn't have to pull stingers out, which okay. is a blessing because I don't know that I would have been able to handle that. And they were okay. You know, like I w- we kept an eye on them. Um, we watched, like, of course, there was a lot of crying, a lot of tears, a lot of um, wrapping them up in blankets and giving them sweet drinks and, like, letting them watch cartoons on the sofa. But I look back at that now, and I'm just like, oh. It's like nightmarish, yeah, you know, it watching is totally your like little person yeah. being attacked by some evil bee. I was and many of them in a swarm and, and then you feel guilty because we were kind of laughing and like making fun of them for dancing around and they weren't dancing. They were like beating the bees away or the, oh you know, yellow gosh. jackets away. So anyway, that's just one of those where like, again, I was probably pregnant during that one too. I just <laughs> don't really remember much about it. When I was probably doubt. pregnant. I was what Unless story was I not pregnant otherwise? In? Let's just assume we're <laughs> yes. all pregnant in all of these stories. <laughs> and all of these stories. And you just kick into high gear and you just get it done. And yeah. that's how I felt. 
That is legitimately yeah. quite terrifying, though. I can't think yeah. of a. Um, I mean, I have, and and you and I both have stories that we're not even telling today because there wasn't enough time for all of them. But I can think of moments of panic. I can't, and including some that involve stinging because we had lots of scorpion run-ins. But I can't think of that type of terror of like the the bees are actively chasing you and continuing to sting you. It's like a prolonged panic. And I That's- hate bees too. But like oh. you know, like it's funny how you'll also step in. Like bees, I would run away from bees. If there was a mm-hmm. bee in my car, I would drive into a ditch. Like I, I hate them. <laughs> but because they were attacking my offspring, I wasn't afraid of them. Yeah. I just no. went into absolute, like kill the bees and get them away from my children mode. And yeah, I mean, besides like, you know, snakes, alligators, and maybe like mountain lions, it's hard to imagine an encounter that is scarier with a little one like that. So yep. yeah. Yep. Oh my gosh. All right. All right what about you? <laughs> well, here's my next one. Um, I am not pregnant in this, in this episode, in this um, story. Yeah, I was like, wait, is there, okay. In, Thank you for um, letting us know. Yes. Not pregnant anytime. But in this story, Reed was, I, I know exactly what time of year it was because the weather is related. It was like October and Reed is born in June. So he was like four or five months old. So that puts Allegra at two and a half. And we were going to the park to meet our sweet little, like, playgroup friends that we met every week at the park. And in October in Arizona, you're just so glad that it's not 110. It still might be 85 or even 90. And I remember this being like particularly gloriously not hot. And that is relevant to the story. So we're going to the park and I have my two-year-old and my baby and um, we get there early. And so I, I used to let Allegra out of the car seat and she'd come up front with me and we'd put on a CD or she'd play with my phone or whatever. And we're sitting in the air conditioned car and we're just waiting for our friends to get there because we've gotten there early. And probably Reed was asleep and that's also relevant. So probably I was letting her brother continue to nap in the car seat. So sometime in the playing in the front seat and the whatever we were doing and now I'm getting the diaper bag and we're going to get out and go play with our friends. Um, I, she must have grabbed the keys and hit the lock button on the key fob. And then I, and the keys were somewhere where I didn't know. So I didn't do my usual key in purse, you know, do my whole thing. And of course I get my toddler out of the car and I close the front doors and then the car is locked with the keys inside and my baby's inside. So I have locked my infant in the car, (laughs) which is a moment of like, Oh no. Oh crap. Um, and I, I remember being, moving very quickly through a series of like what needed to happen. And I also remember this part of my logical brain that was like, he's just fine. Like medically he's going to be okay. Cause it's not hot right. and nothing like nothing terrible is going to happen. Cause I'm right here and I will, you know, I'll break the window or I'll have the fireman break the window if I have to. And so there was this calm underlying part where it was like, okay, nothing terrible is going to happen. But at the same time, <laughs> I am not a fan of being on the opposite side of a locked door from my four month old. So I spring into action and I think my phone was locked in the car too. So I used a friend's phone and my friends were there at that point. And I remember them really sweetly taking Allegra over to the playground. And I just remember that feeling of my friends, like knowing what to do. It was almost like they jumped into action too. Like a couple of them took Allegra and someone lent me a phone and someone stayed with me to make sure I could get Brian on the phone. And it was like our whole playgroup jumped into action, which was actually like, now that, that I think of it that way, it was very sweet. So anyway, the 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 wrapping up is not that exciting. I called Brian at work. He happened to pick up his phone. He happened to have a spare key with him. And he was about 15 minutes away, which is 
a very safe distance and he got in the car and he was able to leave work. He wasn't in the middle of a meeting. If none of those things had happened, I would have had to go start like thinking about the fire department just because it was still a warm day. It just wasn't like deathly hot. And so, um, so then Brian's on his way and I'm just sitting there on the outside looking in at Reed and I, I, in my memory, he was asleep at the beginning and then he woke up and then I had to be there and watch him get fussier and fussier and not understand why I couldn't get him out. And that is one of my like emotional triggers as a mom, like having a kid who needs me and I can't get to them. Not, I mean, I think everybody is like this, but it feels to me that feels totally panic inducing. Um, and, and, and so that was hard. especially had, being able to see them and they can see yes, you and they, they like can yes. see you and you can't explain it because they're four months old. And right. of course, I knew in my in my logical center, I knew that the, there was no danger, um, but it was really, really hard to just know that he was in. And it, I remember as a slow, fussy to crying, like he wasn't screaming mm. the whole time, but he was definitely crying by the time Brian got there. And he was hot when I got him out. And I remember feeling, you know, the back of his head was sweaty and not dangerously so, but um, you just. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, the thing that you hope does not happen sometimes just totally does lock your baby in the car okay so this story is horrifying um (laughs) but it reminded me first of all of two things one that there is a general category of dramatic things you worry about happening like those mom triggers um and some of them never come to pass like my sister used to have nightmares, like keeping her up at night, not like sleeping nightmares, but like, like you were talking about earlier, like fantasies yes. where you see yes. like visualizations where she saw one of her kids somehow stumbling across an old refrigerator, like an old abandoned refrigerator and climbing oh, inside of it. Very um, specific. Very specific. And her kids, to my knowledge, weren't playing in a lot of junkyards. So <laughs> okay. I'm not sure where they would find an abandoned refrigerator, but that's just one of those things she got in her head as a thing that could happen. And then she couldn't let it go. Right. And I think sometimes they're a little exotic like that. And sometimes they're things like getting locked in a car or for me, um, falling downstairs or for me, they had a lot to do with elevators. You know, I did a lot of traveling with my kids when they were little and um, a kid getting on an elevator, somehow running ahead of me and then getting on an elevator and watching the door close was like a big and then knowing that they were going to go somewhere and I wouldn't know where they were was like a thing I thought about. And it did actually happen to me once. Luckily, it was like in a hotel that only had like three floors. Right. So they just, the, the door opened on the lobby level and they came yeah. out and I yelled over yeah. like the, there was like the railing and I'm like, just stay there. And then I had to wait the interminable about a, a time for it to come back up to me yes. and get on it and go down. It wasn't a big deal. I don't even remember which kid it was. Um, but just like kids getting locked in the car, fingers stuck in things. Like, you know, there's just, I think every mom has her not even triggers. They're like potential triggers. They're like yeah. things that you think could happen. Yeah. Like specific and, paranoias kind of. Yeah. Like paranoias. And so I, when you told the story about Reed, well, Earl, you told me about this a couple of days ago. And I was like, I know for a fact, I, I locked one of my kids in my car, but I can't remember which kid. And I had this feeling like it was Clara, but then I was like, no, I kind of remember it was, we had the minivan. So it wouldn't have been Clara because Clara, we had a different car. And I remember that the window um, and the front was cracked, but that the second window didn't open. So that would have been the minivan, like mm-hmm. the, you know, the yes. second row mm-hmm. or the middle row of seating. Th- those windows were just kind of useless. Yep. And I remembered like knocking on it and talking to the kid inside. And when I really thought about it, I remembered that it was Owen because he was old enough 
that he could maybe have leaned over and unlocked the door. But how uh-huh. do you explain to like a two and a half year old how to do that? Mm-hmm. You know, press that button. Not that way. The other way. Yeah. Not, yeah. You know, not that one. That's the that's something else. And it just it, of course, it didn't happen. I think the police came. But like the only other thing I remember about that is that it was not my house. We were like outside of a store or like someone else's house. Okay. And we had to call the cops. So obviously I do remember it was raining and not, and not hot and not cold. And it turned out fine. And he was a little freaked out, but it wasn't a big deal. So this is the funny thing. When I asked the kids, I put it in our little text group. Mm-hmm. Hey guys, do you remember who got locked in the car? Clara was like, it was me. And then she told a totally different story about getting oh locked gosh. in the car <gasps> that I had completely forgotten about. So this story, she was older, like she had to have been like six. She was in gymnastics and we came home and I really had to go to the bathroom. And so I had an older kid in the car and I said, just make sure Clara gets out. I'll see you guys inside. I run and use the bathroom and I come out and I hear burp, 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 burp. It's the car alarm going off and everyone's like, oh, whoops, we forgot about Clara. So I run out and she's been sitting in the car while she had locked herself in Uh and then tried to get out and set off the Uh alarm. And so she was losing her mind. Well, of course, she remembers that very, very specifically. But I had forgotten because honestly, I really didn't experience it because by the time I ran out, it was like already kind of resolved. Yeah. So and then one other little story about that category of like things that you're just kind of paranoid about. Um, Sorry, I I just want to quickly say I didn't forget my kids all the time and lock them into places all the time. Those are just two specific times that they got stories. Yes. And one of the, uh, yes, I think that's a good place to pause because one of the reasons we tell these stories on this show is not to condone irresponsible parenting, obviously. Right. It's, it's to normalize the fact that very conscientious parents have moments where you're like, oh crap. And we're here to tell you that it turned out okay, but that's not to trivialize the desire to not do that somehow like we do sometimes get nasty emails being like how could you laugh about such and such or how could you and we're not laughing about the importance of water safety and stairs safety and car safety we take extremely seriously but I also think it's important to tell these stories to be like there's a there's a very large continuum of things that could go wrong and you cannot anticipate all of that even with the most like safety planning. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, right. And you know, like by the time, you know, Owen getting locked in the car, it was truly like, just like what you described with Reed. Like I walked out and I left the key sitting on this, on the seat and somehow the car got locked. Like there's nothing besides being a perfect human. There's (laughs) nothing I could have done differently. And there was no neglect. He was never more than five feet from me. It just so happens he was through glass for a lot of that. And with, you know, with Clara, um, she was, old enough to get herself out of the car. I think she was dinking around and her brother was dinking around and it happens like stuff like that happens. And we have to, like you said, normalize real parenting and the fact that we're not perfect and that those things happen. Um, And this is another example of that. My last little story here was that um, I also always have had a thing about kids getting their fingers pinched, Mm -hmm. like in Springs on the little bouncy things at the playground. They're like, or anything, any kind of finger pinching. And the one that actually did happen is another elevator situation. So we were all at a, at a hotel um, waiting to, in our swimsuits to get on the down elevator to go to the pool. And Clara stuck her, she was much shorter than me at the time. So she couldn't have been more than four and she remembers it. So she probably was about 
four, I would say four mm-hmm. or five. She was old enough to remember. She kind of put her hand on the door and then when it opened, her hand just went with it and got oh. stuck. Like, oh, between... like in the crease or like in yes. the, where the door goes into the. Right. Oh, my gosh. With that, I'm picturing it differently than when you first explained it to me before the podcast. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that's so, crazy. So like and then I thought for a moment, I'm like, I don't really understand the mechanism of how <laughs> an elevator works. Like, is it going to drag her somewhere? Yeah. Like, I really had a moment of ultimate panic. Like, yes, I don't know what's going to happen now. So one of the kids thought really fast and jumped in and hit the button that like, um, that, op- that shuts it. Yeah. Yeah. That shuts the door again. Right. And then I just pulled her hand out. I mean, that would have happened anyway. It was she scared? as soon as they got on, it would have closed. Right. But like, or after a few seconds, it would have closed. She was terrified. Yeah. Yeah. And it doesn't help that like, I was also like, oh my goodness. Oh, oh. Yeah. like, I'm like, what's happening? And like, all the boys are yelling. I mean, everyone was freaking out. Um, and I think probably, honestly, it just would have, her hand probably just would have kind of gone with it. I mean, I'm sure they've thought this all through that little yeah. fingers can get stuck in these things. And probably she would have kind of slid down with it. And then when it closed, it would have just come back. I don't think her fingers would have been crushed or anything. Yeah. It was pretty terrifying. That is really scary. That's And it was just in that category again of like little paranoias that you're just, that happen and you're like, what? Yeah. And, and they do. I mean, this is, this story is not even on my list to tell, but one of mine was falling downstairs, either me falling downstairs with a baby or a toddler falling downstairs and our one of our Arizona houses had didn't have a landing it was one long flight it was carpeted mm-hmm. but it was a full flight of stairs and Reed did fall all the way down at once he was about 18 months probably and he had a big goose egg and mm-hmm. it was okay like you know what I mean it was yep. like I had that moment where I was like that sound I never wanted to hear of like the dump, 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 like it keeps yeah. going. And, and I yeah. heard it one day and, and it was okay. And he cried really hard and he had a big bump on his head, but it was okay. So, oh my gosh. Yeah. We, we Ruby fell down my stairs um, when she was, it wasn't even my kid and she was just a daredevil. And uh, again, I was like, go dump, ba dump, ba dump, ba dump, ba dump. And then you're waiting for it. You're like, oh, please let that be the last. Nope. Good dump, good dump, good dump. Yes. Oh, now yeah. people are going to yell at us for laughing at kids. Babies falling downstairs. Okay. Well, um, it's all right. <laughs> it's okay. I have one more story and no one is harmed in this story and there's no safety violations in this story. I'm glad um, to hear it. I think it's, I've probably told part of it before, but I'm going to try and focus on the mom part of it. So I am pregnant in this story. So what? I am pregnant with my third child and I am 36 plus weeks, maybe 37 weeks pregnant. Also, I had scheduled C-section, so I actually gave birth at 39. So I was, I was two to three weeks before having Violet. So I have a two and a four-year-old and we all get the stomach bug, the typical one that's like, that lasts like, you know, it lasts a day and a half of intense. And then you don't feel so good for a couple more days. And all five of us got it. And I think, I think either Allegra or Reed got it first. So we kind of knew what was coming and it was the type where it cycles through the family. And I'm thinking like, well, let's get it through us before I have this baby and don't want like other germs circulating when the baby's born. Meanwhile, Brian traveled so much for work in that stage of our life. Like he was gone four or five days a week. He often did these long day trips where he was out and back on flights in a single day, which was great. He slept in his own bed, but they it made for like 14 hour workdays and we didn't see him and it was really exhausting for him. And he was dealing with airports every single day. So that's the background. Brian has to go to Salt Lake City um, basically with like the 
lower digestive version of this stomach flu. I'll just leave it at that. But okay, the air, the, <laughs> we're, the we're we realize bath- what end is happening here. Yes, yes. The airplane bathrooms were not a pretty sight. I'm sure, and he should not in our in now in post COVID reality. It's like oh my gosh, like don't go work when you have that kind of a stomach thing. But he did, and that's what like. You just like got on a plane and you went and did your job. And he had this like low level stomach flu. He leaves me and two me 37 weeks pregnant and two toddlers with the stomach flu at home. And my mom is able to at least come and like sit with the sickest kid and hold a bowl. And then I like deal with the other kid. And I'm also throwing up like constantly. And um, I am throwing up so regularly that I start to have contractions and I'm a scheduled C-section uh, person. So they are really careful, especially with your subsequent C-sections. Like they really don't yeah. want you going into natural labor and it's my third C-section. So they tell you, you know, you, you, even if they're not painful, like even if they're more like Braxton Hicks, if they're regular, you need to call us. And I, this is my third pregnancy. I always had a ton of Braxton Hicks contractions my whole, like from 20 weeks on all three times. So I was very, very familiar with non-painful, I think what they would call like non-productive, like they don't actually progress any labor. They're just that like muscle contracting, like Braxton Hicks feeling. So I was having those a lot and I was having them a lot more because I think because of all the barfing, like if you've ever tried to barf with a huge belly, it's like very awkward Uh, and like it involves a lot of Yes, I have tried to barf with a big (laughs) belly. Yes. Yeah. And succeeded. Yeah. Well, I... (laughs) I mean, the the most successful I was was in the shower. I remember being in the oh. shower because I could at least clean myself as I was puking on myself because oh my nothing gosh. else worked. I couldn't like bend over. I had no abdominal muscles. Anyway, super gross. The point is the contractions started and they were just Braxton Hicks, but they were really often and they were really regular. And I'm looking at my like my mom is sitting there and the babies are sick and I'm like, they're, I'm going to have to call. They're going to want me to call. And I know I'm not in labor because I just I just know I'm not. But I'm like, well, the response, I don't know how dehydrated I am. And I don't know how much this this stomach bug is affecting my body and my baby. So right. I'm like, well, I'm going to call my OB and I know they're going to tell me to go to the hospital. So because they have to like they have to to for like to cover their butts. And I get that. So I called and I'm like, look, I don't think I'm in labor but I am having these contractions. And unfortunately they're quite regular, like every six or seven minutes, even though I don't think they're the real kind of contractions. Like the whole thing about Braxton Hicks is they're, they're supposed to be kind of random in their timing, not um, like not sequential or regular. Right. Yeah. um, So I like, look at my mom. I'm like, I have to drive myself to the hospital right now. Like they're going to want to check me, at least check my fluids and make sure I'm not dehydrated and check the baby's heart rate and stuff. Cause I've been really, really sick. And Brian is on a plane. Like, so Brian's not there. And so I just have this moment of like, I didn't even really pack a bag because I, I had this very like defeated, like, I know I'm not having a baby, but I have to right, go but be I, responsible. Have to do this thing anyway. Yeah. And so I drive myself to the hospital and I walk in and it's like, it's all the first time parents who are like with their bags and their husbands. And I'm and they're like, they're all walking. earnest. Yeah. And I'm like <laughs> yeah. this beleaguered, dehydrated barfing lady who's like, I'm here because my doctor told me I should. And I'm not really sure, but like, can you check me? And they did. I mean, of course they were wonderful. I was just a little grumpy about it and I got checked in and I, I think they, you know, they checked me, my dehydration and they, I don't even think they gave me IV fluids. I don't even think I needed them. 
but they just wanted to monitor my contractions and make sure nothing was really happening. And Brian like landed. I just, I'll never forget Brian landing and coming. He's like, should I go home to the sick kids or should I come to the hospital? Right. Where do I go? What is happening? And meanwhile, he's finally starting to feel better, but he's so tired. I mean, we had been through this, just this exhausting stomach bug. And he comes to the hospital. I'll just never forget like how tired he looked and he came in and he was like really trying to be like so sweet. And I'm like, look, we're not having a baby. Like we just got to get checked out and get out of here. And of course, like, of course they just sent me home. But I think the mom part of it was like, well, I I have to do what I have to do the responsible thing for my baby. This is like what we got to do. But um, it it felt like a, like a comp, not accomplishing. That's the wrong word. It felt like surviving. Like it was like a four, 24, 48 hour period of (laughs) like, wow, I can definitely, I can handle three kids now. If I can handle two kids, a pregnant belly, a stomach flu and like a pre-labor, a pre-labor, you know, adventure, then I'll be okay when I have the third baby. Well, that is harrowing in a different way than like, you know, falling into a uh, jacuzzi or being attacked by bees, but harrowing in yeah. in that yes that confidence boosting way so yeah. I love that yeah all right well this was really fun did you think of any stories that we'll save for a part two like did any come to mind you that know, you're like oh my gosh I, I feel like I can't share any more stories of accidentally forgetting my kids in cars <laughs> or like I don't know having them fall into or down things or being attacked by animals or insects so I'll have to yes other ones did come to mind but um I'm just going to sit on them for now till everyone forgets. We'll do a few <laughs> episodes where we come off um, sounding a bit more on top of things, maybe. Maybe, um, maybe. But we would love to hear stories from you all listening. Um, we love to get your adventures and misadventures. So you can email us at hello at the momhour.com. And the two episodes I wanted to point people to one is um, called something like our worst mom fail moments. And the other is called mom milestones. And I'll link them both up in the show notes, but they're both like storytelling based um, uh, episodes like this that are, can be kind of fun and validating. So yeah, those are good ones. The mom, the mom fails in particular. I feel like we heard from so many people who just felt very seen after listening to that episode. I still think of the stories we told in that episode and think, I can't believe they're raw. They're really raw. They're raw. Yeah. (sighs) Yeah. Well, Sarah, you've still got a survey last call, right? Is that still open? Yes. Until uh, um, April, October, April 30th um, is when that survey will still be at the momhour.com slash survey. So we would love to get some more responses before that date. And thank you to everybody who's filled it out so far. Yeah. And just a note that um, my new podcast, Mother of Reinvention, is still publishing and we're almost halfway through the first season. So the fifth episode just published last week, it comes out on Thursdays. Um, FYI, I am not a super stickler about getting it out early. Like we are with the mom hour, but it's usually out by around early afternoon. Um, so go ahead and subscribe to it. You can look it up. Mother of reinvention. You can go to mother of reinvention show.com to find the episodes we've done so far. The one that I just published last week was with my uh, yoga instructor. I can't wait. That one just dropped in, in real time. Like we're recording on a Thursday. So I am excited to go listen. Yeah. And I just, it's been a good mix of people talking about all different kinds of things that um, have to do with like kind of reinventing your life at different stages, whether that's your career or, you know, your kids are getting older or your relationships are changing or something like that. Like there's just all kinds of ways people, moms uh, end up reinventing their lives at some point. And I'm having so much fun talking to different women about their stories. So please check that out and we'll talk to you soon. Yep. We'll talk to you soon.
Guess what, Megan? Over 10,000 teens are already using our sponsor, Erica, to help them unplug. That is amazing. Erica, that's Erica with a K, is the social media health app for teens that gives them the tools to unplug whenever they need to for improved health, study focus, sleep, and daily balance. It's so cool how this works to hide distracting apps from your phone at the touch of a button, keeping them out of sight and out of mind without deleting your data. Yeah, you know, teens really get that social media comes with risks, including addiction, and Erica helps them build healthy habits and self-regulation that will benefit them their whole lives. Tell your teens about Erica and save 20% on the Erica family plan with promo code THEMOMHOUR. Go to erica.app and search for plans. That's Erica with a K, E-R-I-K-A dot A-P-P and use code THEMOMHOUR to save 20%. The Mom Hour is brought to you by partners like Chatbooks. Chatbooks makes it beyond easy to create beautiful photo books by importing your digital photos from anywhere, Instagram, Facebook, Google Photos, or directly from your phone. The books come in a variety of sizes with beautiful cover options and binding styles to choose from, and they start at just $15. Plus, we have a great deal just for our listeners. Use code THEMOMHOUR20 to save 20% off your purchase. Just download the Chatbooks app and use code THEMOMHOUR20 to save 20%. 